want to follow our reading this evening. We're turning to the Psalms, Psalm 62. Psalm 62, it's for the director of music. It's a psalm of David. And this is what it says. Psalm 62, beginning at verse 1. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence. Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. Amen. Well, if you've got a Bible with you, then do turn back to Psalm 62. And as we turn there, let's pray and ask for God's help. Father, we pray that you would be gracious to us now. We are your servants and we ask that you would give us discernment, that we may understand your statutes. Please grant us all needed help, that we might hear you speak to us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder how many times in the last week you've either said or thought to yourself, I'm tired. It's something that maybe some of us say quite often, it rolls off the tongue, I've caught myself saying that this week. Sometimes we are are physically tired, we struggle to sleep, uh, and we are just physically exhausted. Uh, Maybe it's an illness or the demands of life. Sometimes work can just leave us feeling mentally drained and we feel tired by it. Sometimes we are just generally tired uh, with all that is going on in the world around us. That that tires us. Ongoing wars in our news every day in Ukraine and in the Middle East. Our finances are worn down by what we were told this week is officially a recession. Young lives stabbed to death on the streets of the UK and we're tired of it and so when we can feel like that we can say oh we're looking forward to a break we're looking forward to some time off Uh, something all school teachers and children have had uh, this week in in half term and it's good to rest and it's good to enjoy the the time off when we have it but this evening I want us to think about where true rest can be found 
I want to remind us that we can only find true rest in God alone when we trust in him. If you are a Christian here this evening, then you can have a deep, sweet restfulness of soul and not anxiousness. And surely that is what all of us need, isn't it? And so I want us to turn to Psalm 62 uh, this evening, which we can call a, a psalm of confidence. We don't know the exact circumstances, the immediate context of when this psalm was written, but we'll see that David was facing some kind of difficulty. And yet, in the midst of great adversity, David shows his reliance on the Lord. It is he, and vitally he alone, who is the object of his desire, the one that he looks to for rescue, and the one in whom true rest is found. And so I trust that this evening you'll be strengthened in your confidence in the Lord, that you will see again that only in him can we know true rest as we trust in him. And that in contrast, human beings like you and me, as hard as we might try, we often prove to be unreliable and untrustworthy, and we will never find rest if we place our confidence in humanity. And so to help us to do this, I want us to view this psalm this evening like a concentric circle. Uh, that is like an archery target that has different coloured rings that start on the outside and, and work its way into the target in the middle. And that's because there is a great symmetry to this psalm. And so a little bit different to how we usually work through a passage. I want us to work from the beginning to an end into the middle where we find a great statement of faith that David proclaims. And my hope is that, that as we look at this psalm in this way, we'll see that at the heart of it is a wonderful description of who the Lord is, which will encourage us to have renewed, strengthened confidence in the Lord and to find rest in him alone. And so how does this psalm begin to do that? How do we begin to find true rest? Well, it will really help you if you have your Bible in front of you. As firstly, I want us to see there in Psalm 62, we're told to put your confidence in the Lord. Put your confidence in the Lord. That's how this psalm begins and ends. So in verse 1 and 2 and 11 and 12, the great bookends of this psalm say to us, have your confidence in the Lord. Firstly, look at how David begins in verse 1. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Maybe your Bible says, my soul finds rest in God alone. David is encouraged by simply reflecting on who the Lord is. He encourages his soul, his whole being, to find true rest in God alone. The Lord is the only one who can grant true rest. He gives rest to all who have their faith in him for salvation. He alone will save. Because of who he is. He is faithful and he is able. And because of that, you can know rest. This psalm begins on such an encouraging note. And so, brothers and sisters, we have to ask at the very outset, do you believe that? Do you believe that the Lord really is faithful and is able, that he is your salvation? No matter what your circumstances are, do you believe that this evening? Can you say verse 1 with all your heart? Because the Lord really is faithful. We can say verse 1 because of verse 12. That tells us that the Lord is faithful in giving his love. Verse 12 says, With you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. David knows that God is faithful to his promises. The God of covenant is just in his rewards in all he does. Salvation comes from him 
alone. He alone is able to deliver his people. He alone is able to save from sins. His deliverance is an act of almighty love. The Lord is unfailingly loving. And the fact that the Lord is loving is, according to verse 11, one of two divine promises that David has heard. One is that God is loving, and the other is that power belongs to you, God. Brothers and sisters, our God is powerful and loving. He is strong and kind, as one modern hymn puts it. I can remember that we're starting at, at either end of this psalm, and we're working our way inwards. And so what we see reflected at the start of the psalm is also found at the end, and, and vice versa. So when David says in verse 11, power belongs to you, God, that's exactly what we see of the Lord in verse 2, that he is indeed strong. Notice in verse 2 there that the Lord is described as David's personal rock and salvation and fortress. And because of that, he is confident he shall never be shaken. No matter what comes his way, David asserts, truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. These are wonderful pictures, aren't they? They, they conjure up in our minds these great images of protection and safety. Here is where true rest can be found. Rest for your soul in the strong, loving protection of Almighty God. And so just think for a moment in your minds of those great large castles that you'd have found across Wales uh, in their heyday. Think of the grandest castle imaginable with towering walls and they're, they're a few feet thick and there's a big portcullis at the entrance and there's a drawbridge and there's a moat all around it. And if you were to find yourself inside that castle, well, you'd feel pretty safe, wouldn't you? Because you were found within the fortress, a castle in the day with every adaptation to make it as impenetrable as possible. No enemy was getting in. And no doubt you'd be at ease. You'd be able to rest a little bit knowing that you have this solid protection that is all around you. Well, we know now, don't we, from history, that those big grand castles, they've crumbled, and they're not what they once were. The centuries have gone by. But when the Lord is your fortress, well, then you are eternally safe. You are eternally safe. There is full and certain security in the Lord because he is your never-failing salvation. And so you can find rest in God alone. When your confidence is in him. So David knows protection. And knowing the Lord as his rock means that he also has a firm foundation. His life is fixed upon the Lord. The one who is unshakable. And because the Lord is unshakable, David can confidently say he shall never be shaken. Never. He is confident of the Lord's protection. And strength, and, and even though the Psalms of David, they're, they're seldom free from the threat of an enemy, there's often opposition and difficulty going on. But even while he has many reasons to fear, his faith rises to a new height in believing the promise of God that he shall never be shaken because he's a child of God. You might have every reason to fear this evening, friend. Maybe you're in a very difficult situation Maybe you continue to be concerned about your future, uh, uncertainties in your life for you or for your family, tensions on the world stage even, and you might have fears of all kinds. But this promise is for you, that 
you will not be shaken if your confidence is in the Lord. If it is, then you can find true rest in him. Though threats might come as waves come time and time again against a rocky shore, the rock remains unmoved. And likewise, David is confident that he shall never be shaken. Why? Because the Lord is his rock. The Lord is his fortress. And so neither shall you be shaken if you are trusting in him. And so David has his confidence in the Lord. And we too are encouraged to put our confidence in the Lord too. Because he is strong. He is kind. And that's not easy. That can be a challenge when there is difficulty all around us. When there is trouble and there is stress and there is strain. It can be a challenge to wait on the Lord and to rest in him alone. And maybe you're finding that hard to do at the moment for uh, some reason. You've got difficulties and sorrows and stresses and strains. And and you struggle to say with David right now that that your soul finds rest in God alone. And maybe that's because you've been looking elsewhere. You've been looking to your own abilities to manage a situation. You've relied on your own resources to solve a problem. You've trusted in your own strength in the midst of a difficult situation that you find yourself in. And if that's been your approach, well then is it any wonder that you're not finding true rest at the moment. Because David quite clearly says here that truly my soul finds rest in God. It is in him alone that we find rest. And that is because he alone is David's rock and salvation and fortress. True rest is available for you this evening, friend, in the Lord God Almighty. And so I have to ask you again, is your confidence In the Lord this evening, is this true of you or are you part trusting in the Lord and part trusting in something else, whatever that is, your skills, your family, your money? If you are, then be under no illusions. You will not find rest. You will not have rest until your confidence is fully in the Lord alone. That's what David believes and he affirms it at the beginning and the end. Of this psalm. He begins with his confidence in the Lord and he concludes with his confidence in the Lord as well. He knows that the Lord is his rock and that the Lord is strong and loving. He is true, he is dependable, he is steadfast, he is covenant keeping. And all of this encourages us that the Lord is worthy of our confidence. And no matter our circumstances, we can be confident that he's loving and faithful and true. He is our fortress, he is our salvation meaning that we will enjoy all of the benefits that are ours, that come through faith in the Lord. And that means we can know rest for our souls. So put your confidence in the Lord. The bookends of this psalm make that abundantly clear. And that contrasts very clearly with what we see next as we take a step inwards in Psalm 62, because having been encouraged to put our confidence in the Lord, now, secondly, in verses 3 to 4 and 9 and 10, We are warned, don't trust in humanity. Don't trust in humanity. In contrast to to the great confidence that David has in the Lord, he has little faith in the kingdom of humanity. And that is because humanity that is in opposition to the Lord is ultimately destructive and selfish and deceitful. Look with me at verses 3 and 4, and you can see I'm not making this up. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence, surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. 
in contrast to the unshakable refuge of the Lord and those who trust in him are the ungodly. Those here portrayed as opposing uh, the Lord. It unveils the, the selfishness of the human heart as the ungodly devise their attacks in words and deeds to bring about ruin, to bring about destruction in any kind of situation. Where there is weakness, they're happy to capitalize in the throwing down of a leaning wall and a tottering fence where there is strength. Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place, we read. Now, we had the unfortunate situation a couple of weeks ago with all the, the storms of some fence panels coming down in the back garden. And they were obviously weakened. They weren't strong. They had maybe rotted a bit and they needed to be replaced. There was a weakness already there. It was really a tottering fence. And that's the picture that's being painted here. The self-interest at the heart of all of the actions of those who aren't trusting in the Lord will, will stop at nothing. They'll capitalize on weakness. And you might think that that's quite a strong or quite a harsh conclusion uh, to reach. But friends, if we're honest enough, aren't we also aware of our own selfishness? While this is not saying every person is the worst they could be, by God's grace, that's not the case. But at the same time, we know deep down that each of us are tainted by selfish motives we always favour what suits us best, what makes things comfortable for us, what avoids, avoids embarrassment for us, what gets us places. And verse 4 says that such people take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. They're happy to use deception. They are, in fact, two-faced. Because we're told that with their mouths they say one thing, they're delightful, they're lovely, they say nice things, but in their hearts they curse. Their hearts are full of bitterness and hatred. They hold grudges and that festus. And that leads to a continued delight in lies. Every intention is to capitalise on a situation for selfish gain. David really does paint a sad and a grim reality here. That humanity is ultimately unreliable. And that's also what verses 9 and 10 tell us, because there we read that we cannot trust in anything, nor status or riches. Again, this sad picture is being painted for us, teaching us a wider lesson about the human heart, about who we are, naturally tarnished by selfishness. Look at what verse 9 says. Surely the low-born are but a breath, the high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Essentially, all people, whoever they are and wherever they're from, wherever they were born, they are a breath. They're a breath. So don't rely on, on who you are, on where you've come from, on any kind of social status or standing. Such things are a puff of wind. They are a lie. They are a delusion. Don't rely on those things. And so here's the lesson for us. What hope is there really found in a puff of wind? What hope is there for us in a lie? What do we gain by putting our trust in something that is fleeting and false? What ultimate confidence can you have in something that is temporary? And the answer, when we weigh those things up on the scales, up they go lighter than a puff of wind. There is no way to trust in. For the treachery that we saw there in verse 3 shows us what all this results in. No hope. No hope at all. We have nothing to ultimately hope in from humanity. Because all people without the Lord have no real enduring hope. And with no hope comes no rest for your souls. Friend, maybe you are not trusting in the Lord this evening. Uh, 
but you are trusting in the things of this world. I wonder, will you recognize that you have no hope in such fleeting things? Do you see your need of something eternal for your hope? We've already seen in the opening of this psalm that with the Lord there is salvation. He is a fortress and a rock. Whereas in comparison, people are found one thing on a balance. We are all but a breath. That's all we are. All of us are lacking in lasting perfections by nature. Friend, maybe you're not trusting in the Lord this evening, but you're trusting in the things of this world. I wonder, will you recognize that you have no hope in such fleeting things, and that you need an eternal hope? And we've already seen that in the opening of this psalm. So why would you put your confidence in status? Why would you look for hope in mankind when we are evidently lacking in comparison to the Lord's? But David goes further in verse 10. Having already said that your status is nothing to have confidence in, he then says, well, don't trust in riches either. In verse 10, he says, do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Again, says David, like status, the human ability to control life through human power, through money, it's ultimately worthless. We are cautioned this evening not to adopt the wicked tactics of extortion or stealing. But even if you're gaining riches legitimately, there is an inherent danger in that to rely on self. And maybe that's you this evening. You've worked hard in your life or you're continuing to work hard. You pay your taxes, you get your pension, and there's nothing wrong with having money in itself. But you're relying on that. You're relying on what you own today. You look to that for hope, for confidence, for security that it can never really give you. Now, although David might have a specific enemy in mind, his diagnosis of the human heart here is right. Here we have laid out what humanity really is like and why it cannot be trusted. We are, by nature, self-reliant. We naturally look to our status, our influence, our riches, however limited any of those things might be. We might look to those things and think that we're okay. We trust in those things. We might even look to people who trust in those things. But here this psalm reminds us, don't trust in humanity. Because the outcome will ultimately fail to achieve any lasting good. And there will be no rest for your soul. Now to be clear, I'm not saying don't trust anyone or listen to any human beings. I'm not saying to you children, don't trust your parents. I'm not saying... To you who are married, don't trust your spouse. And I'm not saying to those of you going to work tomorrow, don't trust your boss. There'd be a lot of breakdown in society and in our families if we didn't uh, do those things. So I'm not saying don't trust anybody. Be suspicious of everyone. Be cynical about everything you hear. I'm not saying those things. No, what I'm wanting to say from these verses is that we can safely say that if we want true, ultimate, lasting rest, then we're encouraged to not place our ultimate confidence in any human being, no matter how much we might love them, how much we might care for them, how much we might respect them and they for us. And that's because how on earth is ultimate hope found in people, even those around us? Well, it's not. It isn't. All people can, people can offer us are things that are ultimately a puff of wind. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. There is no ultimate hope if we look to humanity. And that is why David is making this contrast so clearly. This psalm says to us this evening, 
Do not trust in people, but trust in the Lord. He who is a firm and solid rock, not a fleeting, temporary puff of wind. You can't find rest in something that is fleeting, only in something that is enduringly solid. And so as we come to our third and final point this evening, as we reach the centre of our psalm, we have this contrast made yet again. As in verses 5 to 8, we find that the Lord alone is our salvation. The Lord alone is our salvation. In contrast to lies and injustice and unrest, God really is our only reliable hope. Now you might have noticed as we read this psalm a little uh, earlier that verses 1 and 2 are very similar to verses 5 and 6. I wonder if you noticed that as we, as we read. The, the theme of confidence in the Lord is, is repeated. It's like a chorus that sometimes we sing. We sing a chorus and we repeat a chorus. And why do we do that? Because it's good to be reminded of it. We need to repeat it. And this is a chorus to be repeated because it is a truth that needs to be repeated time and time and time again. Truly the Lord is my rock and my salvation. Truly the Lord is my rock and my salvation. That is a truth that you, Christian, must constantly be reminded of and come back to again and again and again. We are so prone to be swept away from this amidst the circumstances of our lives. And we might be tempted to add something else to the one sure ground of our reliance in the Lord. But here again this evening, we read here of the certain confidence that that you and I can have in the Lord. See what verse 5 says? Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Dear Christian, your testimony this evening is this. Only the Lord is your rock and your salvation. That's your testimony. He alone is your fortress And those are wonderful truths to be reminded of and to take with you into this week. And that's why we've looked at this psalm in the way that we have. Because we need to come around again to see how essential it is that the Lord alone is our salvation. If you want rest, then look to the Lord alone. If you want to find true rest, then have your confidence in him. Charles Spurgeon comments on this verse by saying that we cannot too often hear the toll of that great bell only. Let it ring the death knell of all carnal reliances and lead us to cast ourselves on the bare arm of God. So take this evening as another ringing of that great bell, declaring that the Lord alone is your rock, that the Lord alone is your salvation, in whom true rest is found. Hear that bell ring out over the busyness of your life. Hear it ring out over the worries that you might have. Hear it ring out over the the messy situation that you find yourself in at the moment. And lead it, let it lead you to cast yourself on the Lord. Let it lead you to stop relying on worldly confidences. Let it lead you to, to kill off those earthly things that you subtly rely on. Because how can they ever compare with the Lord, your rock, and your fortress. Hear the reminder of this psalm to trust in the Lord. No matter what worries you have, no matter how you might be feeling, no matter how low you might feel, no matter how desperate your circumstances, whatever your situation today, may you be able to say as David does in verse 7, 
My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Here is hope. Here there is hope. Hope comes from him, as we read in verse 5. And that hope is not mere optimism, but it is grounded in an underlying faith in who God is. If you are a Christian this evening, then you can say, even from those two verses, five and six, you can say, God is my rock. He's my salvation. He's my fortress. He's my salvation. He's my honor, my mighty rock, my refuge. This is who my God is. It's clear that hope in the Lord finds its focus in the one true living God, the one who can protect and defend his own. It is faith which is the antidote to despair. Faith in the Lord. And you might be despairing today. The situation you find yourself in at work or at home or simply life against the backdrop of an uncertain future. But it need not stay that way because you can find rest, true rest. Your soul can find rest in God alone. Only there will you find rest. Only in him will you find true, lasting rest for your soul. But how? How can you do that? What does it mean to find rest in God alone? How can you actually put your confidence in the Lord and find rest for your worried and agitated soul this evening? And the answer to that, friends, is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in him, it is through him that this psalm truly comes alive to us. And that's because as we hear the words of the Lord Jesus in the Gospels, we hear the words of the one who makes all that we've seen in this psalm a reality. Hear the words of the one who, if our faith is in him, is the solid rock on whom we stand, who will never fail us. He is the one who is our refuge, as in him we can hide, as he takes our sin for us. He is our salvation, as he rescues us through his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead for all our sins of selfishness, including the injustices, the lies, the deceptions, the self-reliance, the pride that this psalm mentions. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is all of these things to us and so much more. For we know him, we know the Lord in a far greater way in one sense than David did because we live this side of the cross. We have the Lord Jesus with us each day and by his Holy Spirit, these things are a reality to us and it is in him we find rest for our souls. And so hear what the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 11, verses 27 and following. Jesus says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus doesn't say strive more. He doesn't say try harder to exercise faith. Pump that muscle of faith a bit more. No, Jesus just says come. Come to him. The one who is dependable and trustworthy. If you want rest, then come to him and take his yoke on you. And learn from him, for he is gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Friend, will you come to Jesus 
this evening. At the centre of who he is, at his heart, Jesus is gentle and humble. He's not harsh. He's the most understanding person in all the world, in the whole universe. He is supremely unique in his splendour and his majesty, but he's not far off. He's accessible. There's no boxes to tick. There's no hoops to jump through. In order for you to come to Jesus, all you must do is come to him. Open yourself to him. You don't need to unburden yourself. You don't need to prove yourself with what you've done or possess. The simple fact that you've got burdens, that's what qualifies you to come to Jesus and to find rest in him. Rest comes through knowing Jesus, which he graciously gives. His rest is a gift. And you might be weary through actively trying to manage your life, to control it, to make it as smooth as possible. Or you might find yourself burdened, weighed down by all that's going on around you and in your life. And you recognise, well, those things, they are completely outside of your control, really. And you're not sure even how much more you're able to take. Well, whatever your circumstances this evening, friend, the desire of the Lord Jesus Christ is that you come to him and you find rest in him. That you come out of the storm and you find refuge in him, your rock and your fortress. This is who Jesus is to all who will come to him. That is crucial. This is who Jesus is to all who have their faith in him, to all who will cry to him for help and will take his yoke on them. Gentleness is who he is and he promises rest for your souls. This means that the Christian life isn't free of labour, of hard work, but the Christian life possesses a living, dynamic fellowship with the Lord Jesus himself. Your soul is at rest when you know Jesus. And as we live life in fellowship with him, we see more and more and more of his endless kindness, don't we? That's who Jesus is. This is what Jesus means when he says his yoke is easy. And we all know, don't we, too well, that Jesus isn't saying that life is pain-free or that life isn't difficult. So what's he getting at when he speaks about a, a yoke being given to us? A yoke is a heavy bar that you would go on the top of some oxen to drag a plough through a field. So what does Jesus mean? Well, Jesus is using a kind of irony. He's saying that his yoke laid on his disciples, it's a kind of non-yoke really, because it's a yoke of kindness. It's, it's not a burden. It's a non-burden. Because Jesus has lifted the heaviest load of guilt and sin by dying for us. And so now, for us to live for him, it's not burdensome. But as John writes in 1 John 5, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. It's like a helium balloon. If you had one of those at a birthday or a special occasion, what helium does to that balloon and make it rise, so Jesus' yoke does to his followers. We are buoyed along by his never-ending gentleness and supremely accessible humility as we trust in him, helped by his Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is where rest is found. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. Find rest, my soul, in the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is gentle and humble and will graciously give you rest as your rock, fortress and salvation. And so what else can we do as we conclude this evening? But here, the great application of this psalm, here in verse 8, how you and I are to respond to our gracious God, trust in him. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. 
Trust in Him. Trust in Him this week, won't you? Trust in Him alone. Based on the truth of this psalm and indeed the whole of Scripture, trust in the Lord for who He is. Trust in Him now and trust in Him always. Trust in Him at all times. Again, Spurgeon says, we should trust when we can see as well as when we are utterly in the dark. Whatever your circumstances, whatever the crisis, whatever the difficult experience that leaves you feeling like you're in the dark this evening, have your confidence in the Lord and no rest for your soul. What was true then is true now and will always remain true for God is faithful. What he was to David, he can be to you this evening and this week. A refuge, a fortress. You with your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation will always know him as an unfailing rock. So trust in him at all times. Pour out your hearts to him, your deepest and most private thoughts and feelings that nobody else might know about. Pour them out to God. They're safe with him. Commit them to him in prayer. Prayer is that expression of our faith, of our trust in the Lord. Prayer says, I'm not relying on myself, Lord. I'm looking to you to work and to provide. And so this psalm isn't telling us you should pray because you have to. It's not merely a duty. It's saying that as a result of our trust in him, as a result of the overflow of our love for the Lord, we can come and pour out our hearts to him. You can do that this week, wherever you are, at home or in the car, wherever it is. Will you commit to do that this week? To trust in him and express that trust in prayer to your rock and to your salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, have your confidence in the Lord this week. If you want to know true lasting rest for your souls, then trust in him alone. Actively have your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ who graciously gives you rest. So may the Lord help us uh, this week to Apply his word to our hearts that we might be able to say, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the hope that we have in you. We confess that our souls can only ever find rest in you. And so we humbly ask that you would increase our faith. Help us this week to actively trust in you because we know that only when we truly do that will we know rest for our souls. Thank you for the encouragement of your word. Thank you that rest is available to us this very night in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would help us to believe in him, that we might know rest, no matter what may come this week, as we pray in our Saviour's name. Amen.